0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Messages of Revival podcast. This is Basil Howard Brown. I'm a revivalist and I've been traveling around the world with my wife, Anne, for the past 27 years, seeing God's people being set free by His Word and the anointing. This message on the anointing to prosper will bless you and change your thoughts to line up with God's Word for a breakthrough. I ministered this message during a 10-month-long revival we had at Calvary Cathedral in Fort Worth, Texas and many were blessed. May the Holy Ghost come upon you and transform your life today as you listen to this message of freedom. I thank God for the anointing. I thank God for the outpouring of His Spirit. You know, and I said this a little early on, we become carriers of the anointing. It's not my anointing, it's God's anointing. Amen. We're just the vessel. The Bible says, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. See, I'm very hungry. I'm very hungry for God. I'm very hungry for God to move. This is what we contend for every meeting we show up. We contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's why God always shows up. This, listen, we've been, we've been on the road now 23 years. And I can tell you right now, there's not one meeting, not one meeting in 23 years. In the early days of revival, you know, we were doing two meetings a day, six days a week. There's not a meeting that God has never showed up in. Every meeting we've ever had, God has always showed up. Now, there's been some meetings that were very close. (laughs) But in the middle of it, I said, no way, Jose. I'm not going to remember this as one of the... The, the deadest meetings we've had since we've been in America. So, you know, we just kick it up a notch, go after a few religious devils, and God moves. Are you listening to me? Amen. Thank God we've, we've, had, we've chased nothing around this place. Pastor Bob has already run all the religious devils away many years ago. Are you listening to me? Amen. <laughs> so we've had to chase nothing here. This has been the easiest place to minister in. But, uh, you know, we pray. I always uh, always say to the Holy Spirit, when I get up on the platform, everything of the day needs to go away. And it just needs to be about you. Because, you see, I've watched ministers over the years. They'll get up to minister. And and because of hurts that have happened to them through the week, they'll preach out of those hurts. And it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't bless anybody. It doesn't edify anybody. Are you listening to me? That's why when you get around some ministers, they, they seem to be hard. It's because they're ministering out of the hurts that have happened to them through the week. I want to minister out of the love of Jesus. So the only way I can do that is when I get on the platform, I say, Lord, the moment my feet hit the platform, it's all about you. It's got nothing to do with me at all. And everything of the day needs to go. I remember one meeting. I had an altercation with one of my staff members, one of my uh, he was an administrator for a season, and then the season ended. But, uh, <laughs> Jesus help us, we've had a couple of those. But anyway, moving right along now, um, we had a, dis- a d- disagreement between the two of us, we were back and forth on the phone, and I was, uh, I was like 10 minutes away from getting on the platform in a revival meeting. And I mean, it was a very heated discussion, Well, you listen to me? It was very heated. And, and I got in the vehicle, drove to the church, walked and walked right onto the platform. I mean, I was probably 25, 30 minutes, you know, into the service already, walked right on the platform, took the mic, and I began to minister. And when I did, the power of God just hit the whole place. It was like what happened to me a half an hour ago was so in the distance, I couldn't even remember it. Are oh, you listening to me? Because it's like the Lord takes it away, and now it's all about Him. Amen. See, we can minister by the anointing and by the Spirit, even though we might be going through a difficult time. And, and let, me, let me say this, you will never ever know what's going on with us when I'm in the platform. Are well, you listen to me? We could be going through the most difficult time in our life and nobody ever know about it. Because I choose to focus on God, on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to work through me. Because here's the thing, see, I might be going through a hard, now I'm not. I'm not going through any hard time right now. Just want to get that cleared up. Oh, well, praise God, I think he's going through a hard time. No, I'm not going through any hard time. (laughs) So don't think you know anything. Okay, listen to me me real carefully. Um, I can get on the platform no matter what we're going through. Because you see, I might be going through a difficult time, but somebody else out there might be going through a difficult time too. You might be going through, through hell right now. What's the use of coming to a revival meeting and you having a very difficult time in your life and then the preacher gets up and dumps all his garbage on you? Come on now. So the best thing we can do as ministers when we show up is welcome the Holy Spirit. Say, so Holy Spirit, you're in full control. This has got nothing to do with me. It's all about you. And just have your way, do whatever you want to do, and yes what God does. He uses that vessel, and he flows by the anointing, and then he begins to set people free. And that's what this is all about. That's what revival is all about. You know, we don't know what God's doing in the hearts of people. We look on the outside, we see joy, we see people crying, we see people on the floor, we see people running the bill. I mean, whatever's happening, we don't know what God's actually doing in their heart, and we don't know what's going to happen... A month, two, a year, two, three, four, ten years from now. They could be on a foreign field shaking a whole nation for Jesus. We don't know that. I've had people write me on my Facebook and say, you don't know me, but I was in your meetings back in the 90s and our life was transformed by the power of God. And we're now in England and we pastor a large church in England. I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. I have no clue who they are. Hello? But they came through our meetings. I bumped into a lady. We went to go visit a church Yeah, uh, probably about three months ago. Uh, friends of ours uh, our associate pastors there. I went to go visit the church. And after the meeting, the pastor got me up to greet the people, and I, I did that. And then after the meeting, a lady and her husband came up to me and started to talk to me about revival. She was very excited, very, very upbeat lady. She said she was in the meetings back in 93. My brother came to, to Calvary. She was in those meetings. And she said, you got up and testified. And she said, when you shared your testimony, now I don't ever remember really sharing my testimony in those days. For those who were in the meetings, you know, it was more like we were, we were, we were, were, and then that was about all I could get out. <laughs> but let me tell you what, this lady began to tell me my testimony. Word for word. Like it was I standing testifying, she began to tell me my testimony. I looked at her in shock, I'm like... I called my wife and said, come here, this lady knows my entire testimony. See, she said to me that when I shared my testimony, the fire of God fell on her and transformed her life and she's never ever been the same since. Are you listening to me? See, we don't know what God's doing in a meeting. We only look on the outside, but God's looking on the inside. And that's what counts. God's going down into the heart of man where we cannot go and he's, and he's causing a perfection to come. He's causing a change. If there's anything that the church should do in these days we're living in is change. And I know some people don't like to hear that. We don't want to hear about change. My God. No, no, no. If we're going to do anything for the kingdom, we have to change. You know, as a hungry person, what I do is I go to the throne room of grace. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come into me and drink. People say, where do you get revived? Right here. Hello. Right here. I get revived right here. I come in and drink just like you. Sometimes I can carry my drinks a little better than you can. I've been doing this for 23 years now. Are you listening to me? So, so so, I can get drunk and still preach through that drunkenness. Some of you get drunk and you fall out on the floor. Imagine if I got drunk and I fell on the floor. And then, you know, where's the preacher? Oh, he's on the floor. Well, what's, what's that going to help you? But I drink a lot. I drink a lot in the meeting. Sometimes I have to drink. When I look around at the folks who go, oh my God, I'll have a, I'll have a double, Lord. <laughs> It's going to be a tough one, Lord. I'll take a double. (laughs) So there's times that I drink. I'm sorry. (laughs) Jesus help me. There's times that I preach drunk. And if I stop preaching, then, then I might not get myself back on track. There's times where I've got so drunk in the pulpit that at 10.30 at night, I'm so drunk in the Holy Ghost that I look up at the congregation, I've I've done this once before, I I was so drunk, I just wanted to crawl under the pulpit, forget that anybody was here, crawl under the pulpit and just hang out with God, that's all I wanted to do, I was so drunk and I looked down, I had my message in front of me at 10.30 in the evening, I looked at my my notes, I thought to myself, my God, who prepared that message? Because whoever prepared that message had no clue what they were doing. That message doesn't even make any sense to me. That's what I'm thinking. It's my message. I prepared it. And then I looked up at the congregation and said, so what do you want to do now? And then I thought that was about the dumbest question you ever asked anybody from the pulpit. I mean, that's how drunk I was. Are oh, you listening to me? I try to you know, keep myself together as much as I possibly can. But then there's just times where I go... Just forget about it. It's just drink, man. Amen. But there's no way in the Bible that I can find where you can't drink on the job. And if more ministers would just drink a little more on the job, it would bless the people. Come on now. Amen. Instead of trying to hold it all together and be all, you know, holier than thou, religious, hallelujah, praise God. But I come in a place to demand on the anointing. God, tonight you're going to move. You're going to touch the hearts and lives of people. You're going to set people free. The Bible says, out of your belly. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What are those rivers? The Bible didn't talk about one river. It talks about multiple rivers. What are those rivers? Those rivers are rivers that are flowing from the throne room of grace. Flowing into us as a vessel and then out of our belly flows a river or rivers of living water to touch the hearts and lives of people that we meet. Those rivers are the anointing. Do you know there's an anointing for salvation? You get around somebody that needs Jesus, when you begin to share the love of Jesus with them, all of a sudden there's anointing. There's anointing that pulls them into the kingdom. You get around other people that need a a healing in their body. There's an anointing to heal. We carry an anointing to heal because there's many people that get healed, even though we don't lay hands on them. Hello. There's an anointing to save in the meetings. There's an anointing to deliver. There's times in our meetings where, where I've seen people fall on the floor and start frothing at the mouth. You say, What was that? They had a passenger hello, passengers coming out, people are getting delivered, hello, I had a guy in a meeting and I was in Alaska, b- preaching in a revival there, and the guy on the front row was, you know, and listen, I don't have a problem with noise, please understand me, I mean, we have joy hit the place, people get noisy, uh, you know, it doesn't bother me at all, In actually I love noise, if I'm preaching and the place is totally quiet, you can hear a pin drop, uh, it worries me. Hello. So I like noise. I like joy. It sounds like a river to me. When people start laughing and getting drunk in the spirit, it sounds like a river that's running through the place. I love, I love the sound of a river, especially when it comes from heaven. Ooh, glory to God. I feel that. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? I feel that. And so he's sitting on the front row, and he, and he started to make quite a lot of noise in the front row. But, but as he made the noise in the front row, it started to irritate me. I started to get irritated by that noise. I'm on the platform, I'm preaching, and he's making this noise. And everybody around him was looking at him, and they were like, yeah, praise God. You know, he's getting touched. But the more he makes the noise, the more he irritates me, irritated my spirit. I mean, I'm like irritated by him. So I came off the platform to give an altar call, and every head bowed, every eyes closed. Well, this man on the front row, once I started giving the altar call, he really starts making a noise. And he falls out on the floor in front of me, right by my feet. So yes, what I did. I took my foot and I put it on him. Now remember something. Every head was bowed. Every eye was closed. He's lying on the floor. I took my foot and I put it right on him like this. I didn't stand on him. I just rested my foot on him. And I gave an altar call on one leg. But he shut right down. Quiet, quiet. Gave an altar call, hands went up all over the place. I said, now, everybody raise your hand, come down to the front and me pray with you. And while they were coming, I looked down at the man. And in, in an African language, I cast the devil out of this boy. You see, the manifestation in the front row wasn't the spirit. It was, it was the devil. And now when I start to give an altar call, he really wanted to manifest because he didn't want that to happen. Are you listening to me? So I cast the devil out of him. then I said to one or two of the elders, I said, I said, come over here. I said, hey. I just, you know, got rid of one of his passengers. You want to take him back out there, make sure he has nothing more, and, and just, you know, pray with him and, you know, do whatever you have to do. So they took him out the building. I went and gave an altar call, and meeting didn't miss a beat. Are well, you listening to me? But it's the anointing. You can't come and sit in a meeting and have some issues going on in your life and God's anointing's all over the house, and then, and then you just sweep it under the rug. No, it's going to be exposed. Oh, you listen to me. Now, I'm not saying necessarily it's going to be exposed to everybody. Not not that at all. But but God will begin to expose it to you. There are some things that you need to change when the anointing of God is there. Here's what I tell the Lord. If there's anything in my heart that you didn't put there, take it away. Because I don't want anything in my heart that's going to hinder the move of the Spirit of God. So if there's anything in my heart that you didn't put there, Lord, you can take it away. Anytime you want to. Any adjustment, any change I have to make, God, I'll make it. I'll make it on a daily basis if I have to. But I'm not going to miss out on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these last days. Hello? How many of you know there's things in the world that can distract you? Pull you off and get you distracted. The worst thing we can do is get distracted by the things of the world and we, we, we don't have any time for God. Amen. You know, when I lived in St. Louis one year, I said to the Lord, uh, well, let me, let me back up and say this weird. We'd done a camp meeting in St. Louis. We'd recorded a, a music album and I needed to go and mix it. And I was, I was living in Tampa at the time, but the... But the, uh, the um, Studio was in St. Louis. We hadn't moved to St. Louis yet. We, we it was about a year year away. So I had planned to. I'd booked the day on the, on the studio. I had a pastor going to pick me up. I was going to go spend the day in the studio. We we're going to mix this album out. And and the morning I was getting in the shower. Well, the night before, the night before I couldn't find my keys. I couldn't find my keys. I searched all over the house. Eventually, after about three hours of searching, I found my keys from my vehicle. So I'm like, okay, fine. Now now I can get out in the morning. So You know, 3.30 in the morning, I get up out of bed, go hit the shower on because I'm going to grab a shower, get down to the airport, go catch a plane, fly to St. Louis and go do this. And when I hit the shower on, I mean, the glory of God hit me all over me. I mean, I hit the shower off and I went, I said, what do you want, God? Because I I knew he wanted something. And and he said to me, I don't want you to go to St. Louis today. I said, "What, what, what do you mean? You don't want me to go to St. Louis today. I have a flight booked. I have the studio time booked. I said, everything's prepared. I said, why don't you want me to go to St. Louis? He said, I don't want you to go to St. Louis today. So I went into the bedroom, woke my wife up. I said, honey, honey, I said, God just spoke to me. And, 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 you know, he said, he doesn't want me to go to St. Louis today. Now, I'm hoping that she might say, well, come on, Basil, don't be silly. I mean, you have everything booked. You know, try to reason this out, you know. She looked at me, you know, probably half asleep and going, well, if that's what God told you to do, then you better not go to St. Louis. And then she just rolled over and went right back to sleep. And I'm still looking at her like, wow, that was a great help. <laughs> so I grabbed my Bible, my notes, and went into the living room and sat down. And the Lord began to speak to me. And actually, fact, he, he, he downloaded the message in me that was the very first message we preached when we pioneered our church in St. Louis. I had to call up everybody and, 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 and you know, change all the schedules and everything. And I did. And, and I said to the Lord, and this... It still affects me a little bit, but I said to the Lord, why, why didn't you tell me this yesterday? You know, I could have been sleeping in this morning. Hello. (laughs) Why didn't you tell me this yesterday? You could have told me this last week when I was booking the flights and that. And you know what the Lord said to me? And, And it actually hurt my heart. He said to me, he said, you, you've been just too busy with the work, the work of the ministry. And you had no time for me. And it it, it floored me. I I started weeping. I started weeping. I cried. I said, God, please forgive me. You see, that's what a lot of us do. We get so busy working things in the ministry when actually, in fact, what we should be doing is working things with him. We should be connected with him. Because, you see, it doesn't matter what we do in the ministry. Well, it matters, but it doesn't if God's not involved. So sometimes we get so caught up in all these little things that are going on around about us and the planning and the structuring and this and that and the next thing. And we never spend time with God. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to have fellowship with us. Amen. Wouldn't it be better to get a download from heaven in the morning and hear from, the, you know, hear from heaven and get direction and know which way you're going because God gave you direction? Then have direction because you planned it out two, three weeks ago. Hello? That's why I love the presence of God. That's why I love the anointing. We cannot do what God wants done in these last days without the anointing of God upon our life. I'm telling you, it's not about another structure, it's not about another plan. It's not about any of that stuff that man keeps bringing in to try to grow the church. It's not about that at all. It's about God. Do you think God has a plan to reach the world? Do you think he's got a plan to reach the world? Do you think he's got a plan to shake the whole of Fort Worth area? Do you think he's got a plan? Do you think he can do it? (laughs) Oh yeah, he can do it. He's just waiting for us to get our act together. Hello. Find out what his plan is. What's your purpose? What's your plan? Amen. Amen. It's almost like if we're not doing something ourselves, then, then God can't move. No, he just wants us to step back and say, okay, you, you're in control. You do whatever you want to do. How, however, you wanted to do it, we, we're there. Whatever you want to say, we'll say. Hello. Amen. Amen. It's better to get hooked up with the Holy Spirit than get hooked up with man's ideas and man's plans. You get around some ministers and they're always trying to find out how, how, how did that church grow their church? How did do, how do they get so big? What did they do? Well, whatever they did, it's got nothing to do with you. Get, get a plan from heaven. Get a plan from God. Instead of trying to cookie cut something, God's not a cookie cutter. And if you don't believe that he's not a cookie cutter, then let's all line up here tonight and let's see who looks like one another. I bet you there's nobody in this house that looks like me. So what what works for one doesn't work for another. Amen. We just have to get connected with heaven. I know God has a plan for America. And we've already begun to see the beginnings of that plan unfold over the last week or so we've already started to see the beginning of that plan unfold god has his hand upon this nation i know that people have called judgment upon america but let me tell you what judgment is not going to come on america until we the believers are out of here hello god's not about to judge the world and all of his children Are sitting in the middle of judgment. Hello. When judgment comes upon this earth, we the believers will not be here anymore. Hello. Now I mean if you want to be here when the judgment comes, I'm sure it can be arranged. Hello. But I can tell you right now, we're not God. I don't even listen. When I had Three or four kids in my home and one kid was disobedient. I didn't judge all my kids. I, I, I disciplined the one. Why would God discipline the world and his children all at the same time? It doesn't make sense. Hello. God has a plan and I can tell you right now. There's no better time to be alive than right now at this time. Because we are going to be instrumental in ushering in the presence, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon this nation and around the world. We're going to be, we're going to be instrumental in doing that. Not only are we going to be instrumental in doing that, but we're also going to be around when the trumpet of the Lord sounds. Hello. We are living in the most exciting times. I know there's some people running around, you know, looking for a care bear and a, And a, uh, you know, a, uh, a dog that can comfort them and a comfort zone. I understand that. You know what? They can go do that. They just confuse people anyway. Hello, I have a comfort zone. I've had a comfort zone all my life. Right in the presence of God Almighty. Come on now. Right in the presence of God Almighty. If I want some comfort, I just go to my Heavenly Father. Come on now. If I want some joy, I go to my heavenly father. If I want some peace, I go to my heavenly father. He's got it all for me. It's all there. It's just there for the taking. Amen. It's there for the taking. Hallelujah. 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 (laughs) I feel the fire of God here tonight. I'm telling you right now. God's turning up the heat in the kitchen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're living in the best time ever. I believe this with all my heart that we're about to see a supernatural financial revival break out over the church. The Lord spoke to me many years ago, many years ago, and he's kept this with me all this time. You know, he said in the last days, we'd see waves of his glory come. One of the waves would be, and I feel like it's the next wave that's coming is a financial, supernatural financial revival. That's what I feel it is. Because you see, to do what God wants us to do and to reach the world is going to take multiple millions of dollars to get the job done. And how do we acquire that if it doesn't come from the hand of the Lord? It's not about working at Burger King, flipping burgers. That's not going to get you set free. I guarantee you that right now. It's about a supernatural blessing that's going to come from the hand of the Lord. And it's going to come by the anointing of God. I felt in my spirit, and I don't know why I keep saying this, but I felt in my spirit back when the Lord told me that this first wave would be like a seven-year of supernatural financial miracles, which would propel us into the next wave of His glory, which would propel us into the next wave. That next wave, the Lord said to me, would be a wave of miracles, miracles, healings. I'm talking about, I'm talking about documented. I'm talking about people coming into a meeting like this that don't have any legs. They're lost, you know, in the war somewhere. They're coming in a wheelchair and they're pushing the wheelchair out, and their legs are fully restored. Uh, It's going to be documented. So when they go to the doctor, the doctor can't look and go, well, you know, it's not like a pain in the neck or something like that. I mean, even the pain in the neck will get healed. But it's not about a pain in the neck or a pain in the foot. It's going to be miracles that we'll be able to see. No legs, legs. Documented. And the Lord said to me, all the news broadcasts will all begin to share these miracles on television. Are you listening to me? The Lord named them all. He told me all. I mean, this is stuff the Lord spoke spoken to me over the years. And the Lord said this to me. He said, I'm going to use that move as a dinner bell, as a wake-up call for the world, which would move into a great awakening where the world will be saved. Because, you see, I believe before Jesus comes, we're going to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that this world has ever seen. Amen. I don't believe the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound tomorrow. Because there's just too many people going to hell. Too many people going to hell. Too many people going to hell. Church is in Lollaland. Churches land. Church is fast asleep while the world are dying and going to hell. That's why we've got to have revival. That's why God's got to revive the church. So we've got something on the inside. We're stirred up every day to go win the lost. So many Christians are more stirred up on a Sunday just to go to church, go through the motions, so they can get home, so they can watch football. And I'm not only talking about the cowboys, I'm talking about all over the country. That, that's their thing on a Sunday. Why can we not be stirred up for the things of God? Why can we not be desperate and hungry for God to show up and, and, and not put a time limit on him when he moves and how he moves and, and, and cut him short? Why, why? Why? Too many people are dying and going to hell. And I can tell you right now, this coming a day when we'll stand before God and we will see these multitudes of people... Going into the lake of fire. And I can tell you right now, it's not going to be a happy day. There's going to be a lot of tears shed by us, the believers, crying for those, begging God for another opportunity. But it's too late. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to tell others about Jesus. The easiest way to do that is to be a carrier of the anointing. So whenever you get around people, they they feel something's different about you, man. You know, I like to be around you. What what is it? It's the anointing. You don't even need to tell them that. That anointing flows out of you into them. Next thing you know, they're getting healed. They're getting delivered. They're getting set free. Shadows of the disciples fell upon people and they got healed. Imagine tomorrow in Thanksgiving dinner and you lean over to, to grab the bowl of spuds. And as you do, your shadow falls on on your your auntie sitting right next door to you. We call it an aunt, but you call it an aunt. Or no, we call it it an aunt, you call it an aunt. Imagine leaning over and your shadow falls on them and they get totally healed by the power of God right there at the dinner table. Why not? Why can you not see a miracle in your family tomorrow? See, I live in the expectation. I'm expecting God to move no matter where we go, no matter who we speak to, no matter who we hang out with. I'm expecting the anointing of God to flow. We'll sit and just talk amongst people. And and, and while I'm talking about the things of God, I'm expecting God's anointing to flow out of me so that whoever is there with us can get touched by the power of God. I mean, if we could have church 24-7, I'd raise my hand. Are you all with me? Are you still happy you came this evening? Look at this in, in Deuteronomy chapter chapter 8 verse 17 says, Beware lest you say in your, your mind and your heart, my power and the mind of my hand has gotten me this wealth. But you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. Listen to me real carefully. We are not under the old covenant. We are under a new covenant. But the Bible does say under the new covenant, it's based upon better promises. So I look under the old covenant and I think, my God, look at the blessing that they received under the old covenant, but we under the new covenant and the blessings or the promises are actually better. Yet so many Christians are not walking in the fullness of the new covenant. We shall earnestly remember the Lord our God, for it is he who gives us power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. He is establishing his covenant with us down here on this earth. And let me tell you what, the covenant that we have with God Almighty covers every area of our life. Every area. When you and I got saved, we gave our heart to Jesus. We made Jesus Lord of our life. Let me tell you what, that word salvation covers every area of my life. There's not an area that Jesus didn't touch on Calvary. Not an area, not a, not one area. I keep telling people, whatever you need, whatever you want, you can get it tonight in this place. Have you heard me say that before? Whatever you need, whatever you want, you can get it in this place tonight because of the anointing. What are you believing God for? What are you pressing in for God to give, give you, to get from him? Hello. Just a little touch, just a little dab, just a little... Lord, if I can just have a little touch. No. Let me, let me tell you what I tell God. I want everything he's got and then some. I've tasted of the good things of God and I can tell you right now, I'll never go back. I don't, and to be honest with you, I don't even know how to get back. I tell people this, I don't even know how to have a dead meeting. Because every time we show up, we welcome the Holy Spirit. The moment you welcome the Holy Spirit, he starts moving and dead is gone. Notice what the Bible says. He says it gives you power to get wealth. He didn't say, I'll give you power to get rich. You know, there's a big difference between rich people and wealthy people. Rich people can do things to a point. Wealthy people can do anything they want. So he didn't say, I'm going to make you rich. He said, I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm going to give you power to get wealth. I'm going to anoint you for wealth. God is anointing us as believers for wealth. What's the wealth for? For the end time harvest. That's what the wealth is for. In the same breath, he said, I'll give you seed to sow and I'll give you bread to eat. So when the wealth comes, you and your family, of course you will be taken care of because that's what God's going to do. But I can tell you right now, the wealth that we are going to receive in these last days is going to be for the extension of the kingdom of God Almighty. We as believers, we as a church, are not going to have to go to the bank to get a loan, to do an outreach, to buy a tent, to put a missionary in the field, to build another building. Everything we do, we will be paying cash for it. Cash. In actual fact, there'll be banks coming to get a loan from us. Keep your finger in there. We're going to come back to that. Go with me to the book of Luke. Are you, are you getting something out of this here tonight? The book of Luke, chapter 24. This is Jesus speaking. Verse 49, you say, how do you know it's Jesus? Because it's in red. Jesus always spoke in red. Everyone else spoke in you know, black letters, but he, all spoke, he always spoke in red. It, it's amazing, but it, it's, it's in the Bible. Okay, it's a joke, people. All right, verse 49. This is what Jesus said. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry. He's talking to the disciples. He said, Tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you be endured with power from on high. What was that power? That power was the Holy Spirit. It was the anointing of God Almighty. And we know what happened on the day of Pentecost. The wind blew, the fire fell. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and they all got drunk, and when they hit the streets, they were accused of drinking sweet intoxicating wine. What a day. What a a day. Oh, I wish we'd just have a few more days like that, where the wind blows in and the fire falls, and... Everybody drunk in the Holy Ghost, speaking in a strange language, getting out there on the streets, and police pulling you over. Have you been drinking? <laughs> yeah, I've been drinking. I've been drinking of the new wine of the Holy Ghost. You want me to give you a breathalyzer? No alcohol. Just glory. Just glory. Just anointing. Hello. People say, well, you're a little radical. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I am. I love it that way. Amen. I'm radical about Jesus. I'm radical about His Word. I'm radical about the anointing of God because I know what the anointing's done for me, how it's changed me, set me free, my family, my children, my friends, uh, people all around the nation and around the world. I've seen how the anointing touches people, so why wouldn't I be radical about the anointing? See, the anointing is going to get all over some of you here tonight. Because you want the anointing. Some of you are going to get touched here tonight because you're sitting too close to somebody that wants the anointing. And it's going to splash on you. Hello? Others, your number's up, that's all. Tonight's your night, whether you like it or not. Some of you look pretty worried, but it's okay. I've seen that worried look in people's face before, and they've lived. Jesus told the disciples, Tarry, and you'll, you'll receive power. Anointing. They were anointed on the day of Pentecost to do signs, wonders, and miracles. you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power or he anoints you for wealth. Can you imagine walking around with an anointing on you for wealth? Like there's an anointing on to heal. Like there's an anointing on to save. So there's an anointing on for wealth. I've found something out about the favor of God Almighty. When the favor of God falls upon you, people will bless you. People that like you will bless you. People that don't like you will bless you. And I can tell you right now, when people that don't like me bless me, I like it even more. I I'm was standing, I'm standing after a Saturday morning anointing service. I'm standing at the back of a church and a guy's walking down the center aisle, carrying his, I think it's about 14 year old he's about 14-year-old son. He was so drunk, the son couldn't even walk out the door and he's kind of carrying him down the aisle and he gets right opposite me, turns around and looks at me and he said, said sir, can I speak to you for a moment? I said, yeah, sure. He said, you come in here Sunday morning. You said something Sunday morning. And he said, you irritated me. And he said, in actual fact, I don't like you. I'm like, okay, and your point is? You know, I know somebody else who doesn't like me too, and that's the devil. So so what's your point? I didn't say that to him, but that's what I'm thinking. I said, so what's your point? What what, what do you want to say? He He goes, well, he said, I came here Sunday morning. You irritated me. I came back Sunday night. I was even more irritated. He said, Monday... He said, the Lord told me to give you, I have a brand new hunting rifle. I just got it in the mail like a week ago. I haven't even shot the thing. And he said, the Lord told me to give you this rifle. And he said, I've been fighting all week. Now, this is now Saturday. So I said, I've been fighting all week. I can't sleep at night. It's, It's irritating me. It's chewing away at me. I've been telling God I don't want to do it. And he kept saying, you're going to take that rifle and give that to Basil and that's it. And, he, and he's fighting back and forth. And he said, look, he said, I, I, just, I, I just cannot do it anymore. I've got to give it. So I said, well, well where is it? Because <laughs> now, now you see he has the deal. Now he has my rifle. It's mine. God already told him, give it to Basil. Now it belongs to me. Right, you better bring my rifle. So, <laughs> so I said, where is it? He goes, well, it's at home. I said, well, we'll be there tomorrow. That we start another week of me, We'll be here tomorrow. So you, you can bring it to me tomorrow. So he did. He showed up. He showed up Sunday, brought me my rifle. Beautiful hunting rifle. I was like, thank you, Jesus. You know? And what, was, what made me laugh even more was the fact that he didn't like me. You know, it's one thing to take your prized possession and give it to somebody that you like. But it's something else to take what you really like and give it to somebody that you don't like. Now, now let me let me show you let me let me show you what I did. I said okay. I said I tell you what we'll do. I said this week coming now we are in meetings, but we're doing morning and night. I said sometime in the afternoon, let's book a, a time slot at a, at a at a shooting range. And then and then you know you come with me. And so you know then you can at least shoot my rifle. I mean come on. The only thing that was nice of me, just to say, hey, at least, at least he got a shot, my rifle. He got a shot, it. He got a shot, my rifle. No, at least he got, he, at least he gets to shoot my rifle. And we did. That one afternoon went down and I shot some and he shot some and you could see his face light up when he shot and I'm like, praise God. Now people say, did you give it back to him? No. It's mine. I asked the Lord what He wants me to do, and God said, Keep it. Amen. And then, two weeks later, when I was gone, the Lord said, Now give it away. And I did. Hello. Amen. See, that's, that's what the Lord does when, the, when there's favor on you. When His anointing's on you and His favor's on you. Listen, stuff is going to come. I'm telling you right now, stuff will come. Amen. It's like stuff is looking for us all the time to bless us. Hello. He gives you power to get wealth. Amen. And yes, yes, the wealthy part of everything, you know, and not necessarily do I have to have a million dollars in my bank to sound wealthy. Because listen, I know many people that have got money in their bank and then it, and then it goes quicker than it comes. You see some people that look wealthy I mean, they're driving the best of the best, they're living in the best of the best, but they are over the eyeballs in debt. And to me, that's not impressive. Now, if you show up in a Mercedes-Benz and it's fully paid for, or if you show up in a 2016 Ram Dodge truck, 2500 turbo diesel with all the bells and whistles and a Laramie and it's fully, fully, fully paid for, I'm impressed. See, I'm impressed no, I'm just kidding. I'm impressed. Why? Because that means you've tapped into heaven and God's brought the blessing. And it's not about what we've done to acquire the blessing, it's about what He's done to put it in our hands. Amen. See, we've got to get out of this idea that the church has to go into debt to, to to win the kingdom for heaven of heaven. We don't have to do that. It's not about debt. Debt's not supposed to be there for the believer. The world can go have their debt. The believer should be tapped into heaven. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm self-sufficient. That means I lack nothing. I'm not looking for anything. I'm not going to the bank to, to, to find something. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Whatever I need, he has it. I just got to tap in, ask him for it, receive it and then put it where it's supposed to go. Come on now. So let me tell you what, I'm not, I'm not surprised by anything. There's nothing that the Lord can surprise me because I'm living with this expectation. I don't look in the natural, I don't look in the now. used to. Used to look in the now, used to look at the bank. I don't even look at that stuff anymore. I mean, I know what's in there, but, but that doesn't move me. This is what moves me right here, the Word. This is what I'm moved by. I'm moved by the Word. Because I found this out. I cannot do this myself. I have to rely and trust in God. It's like the meetings. I can't do anything yet tonight. I have to rely and trust in God. I have to call on the Holy Spirit. I have to trust the voice of the Lord. And it's the same with my finances. Amen. You know, I know, I know ministers, I've got friends of mine that they, they booked themselves up as traveling evangelists, they've booked themselves up for the next three years. I don't. Because I don't know where I'm going to be next. I don't know where God wants me to be next. If I had booked up this whole year, packed capacity. I might have had a Sunday night free. We might have done one meeting and moved on. But, but see, God's been orchestrating some stuff here. And, and I'm excited about being here. And I know Pastor Bobby is. And others are being blessed. And whatever, whatever God's doing at the end of the day is what God's doing. But see, he knew we were going to be doing this. I didn't know. I had no clue. I just showed up to come visit one Sunday morning. Hello. Didn't try to beat the door down, not looking for a meeting. Just come, let's come, let's come visit Pastor Bob. Sunday morning. Then he invites me Sunday night. Then it's Wednesday. Then it's Sunday. Then it's Wednesday. And if I had meetings booked elsewhere, I I, I could have been there maybe one or two meetings and then gone. And and you know what? We would have missed out on what God's plan is. Amen. Amen. Am I worried about tomorrow? Absolutely not. The turkey's dead. Somebody else chopped its head off. We don't even need to deal with it. I just have to show up and eat. Hello. So, you know, I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about next week, next month, next year. Actually, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I have this excitement on the inside of me that something's about a bus loose. No, no, no. I have this excitement on the inside of me. Something's about a bus loose. No, no, no. You didn't hear me. I said, I have this excitement on the inside of me that something's about a bus loose. And I can tell you right now, when it does, it's going to result in the blessing of multiple thousands of people. In every area of their lives. Jesus said, I'm coming back for a victorious church. Do you think that has anything to do with finances? Oh, you better believe it. You can't live a a victorious life in poverty. I'm victoriously poor. No, I believe it's in every area. I believe, I believe we're going to be living in divine health Amen. with the joy of the Lord, the peace that passes all understanding, resting upon us every day, yeah. not concerned about anything around about us, trusting in God with every fiber of our being. Yeah. It's going to be a supernatural walk with God in these last days. And finances is not going to be something that anybody even has to think about because whatever God tells us to do, the money's already there, boom, and and, and away we go. and We just keep keep doing whatever God wants done down here on this earth. Could you imagine raising up 50 to 100 evangelists that are on fire for God, that are full of the Holy Ghost? Now listen, and you, and you, you give them all tents, and you send them into... Donald Trump's country. The rural area of America. Because that's what the news said. It's all about the rural people. You know, the big cities, they all voted Hillary, but the, the rural people out there, they voted Trump. I think I want to go to the rural. Hello. But let me say this. Imagine, imagine having a grassroots revival break out in, in the country In the countryside of America, in the little towns of two, three, four thousand people, suddenly there's a revival there, there's a revival there, there's a revival here, there's a revival there, and suddenly that revival just starts swelling. I'm telling you now, I can see it happening. But you know, to put a hundred tents together and fund a hundred evangelists to go do what God's called them to do and and, and see revival shake the nation of America, it's going to take a few million dollars, if not more than a few. Are you listening to me? Because when we do that kind of thing, we're going to do it to the very best of our ability. Imagine pitching 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 uh, tents across Texas in the rural country of Texas and and, and fiery evangelists and teams that will go out and win the lost on a daily basis and every night it's just a move of God. Can you imagine the atmosphere in Texas? Can you imagine the atmosphere in America when God starts moving by His Spirit and everything starts to change? I mean, I feel the atmosphere changed just after the election. I felt something lift off this nation, and I went, I can breathe. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. Amen. And that's just with the present. Now imagine if God starts showing up all over the place. Imagine what's going to start happening then. you know what I think? Hallelujah. This is what I think. Hallelujah. I think we can run this country and never give it back. Amen. Yeah. 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 Come on. There's a tendency, four year, eight years, one party, eight years, another party, back to the other party. Hey, forget about it. Let's just believe God and run the country till Jesus comes. Come on. Why would we want to go back to slop? Why would we want to go back to lies? Cheating, stealing, killing, destroying. Come on. God's big. God's big. People say, well, it's never gone like that in America. Well, it's about time it did. There's enough of us to make it happen. I said there's enough of us to make it happen. And then hang on a second, hang on a second. Hmm. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the, new, the anointing. We have God on our side. The God that created the heavens and the earth. The God that has a final say of what's going to happen down here on this earth. Hello. Hello. We could cry out to God. God could turn up the heat and send such a, a, a wave of the glory of God that literally shakes the whole of America and starts shaking the whole of the earth. And listen, by the, by the time election comes again, nobody's going to want anything else. Come on now. Get down with your bad, ugly self and party. See, I, I just believe God for the, you know, the way out stuff. Amen. Amen. Well, God, if you can just keep your hand upon us over the next eight years, if we can just help us to try to pay off some of our debt and bring some little prosperity to the country, i will be happy. No. We've got to reprieve. We've got to break in this whole thing. Now's the time that God needs to turn up the heat in the kitchen. Now's the time the church needs to embrace the move of the Holy Ghost like never before. And let's see revival shake the nation and, and a great awakening come on this nation of America. Do you, do you know that this is something the news will never tell you? But do you know that right now today in Africa, there are literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Muslims being saved every day. Every day. Every day. There's a move of God that's going across Africa. We're not even there. (laughs) There's a move of God going across Africa. And Muslims are being saved. You think the news will tell you? No. Nobody says a word. So let me tell you what. if If God can do it in Africa, He can do it in America. If God can do it in Africa, He can do it in America. I don't want to go to Africa for a move of God. I want to be right here in America. Under the spout. When God begins to pour his glory out upon us, we're right there. Right there. All it takes is, you know, day of Pentecost, 120 people. Radical, on fire, full of the Holy Ghost. Thousands getting saved on a daily basis. It's coming, folks. I'm telling you right now, it's coming. The last thing I ever want to do is play church. The last thing I ever want to do is go through the motions. You know, the Lord has taken us around the nation, and we've been in places where we come off the road and, you know... I don't know if I should mention some of the towns we've lived in, but we were in Missouri. I'm in Missouri for a while. Sorry, sorry, but And uh, actually, actually, we were in Branson, Missouri. Let me just say that. I was in Branson, Missouri. And then we went down to West Palm Beach. Now, when I come off the road, I, you know, I want to go to church. Couldn't find one. So, oh, I know people in Branson, Missouri that you know, couldn't, find a, couldn't find a church. Down in West Palm Beach, went to a few. Because you see, you understand something. We flow in revival of the fire of God, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I don't expect anything else. Then when I show up at a bit of church, and it's just, it's like the whole church is flatlined, and every now and, now and again, it's a bleep, bleep. Clip. It bores me to tears. Hello? Isn't that sad? Listen, let me, let me say, you, go, you guys don't know how blessed you are. And then maybe you do, but to have a church like this that want the move of God every time the door opens up. You don't know how blessed you are. We've been all over. we've been in Pentecostal churches. You would think a Pentecostal church would be a place for Pentecost, <laughs> but they don't live up to the name. There is no Pentecost. There is no move of the Spirit. There's nothing. I sit in the meeting, and I feel the anointing on the, on the worship. I go, man, that's so beautiful. That's wonderful. I, I know God wants to move. Then the preacher gets up and starts preaching his message, and I go, oh, yeah, because I, I, I know how the anointing flows, and I'm, I'm getting hooked up with the anointing. I feel the presence of God, and I know, listen, man, if he lets this meeting go one more step and just turns it loose to the Holy Spirit, we'll have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost here this morning. I know because I know how the Holy Spirit moves, and I feel it in our meetings. I know what he's doing. And then as he gets to that, to one more step to let go, he grabs a hold of it and pulls it back. And then he, then he shuts his message down. And then he releases everybody to go. And I went, oh, God, come on. I got invited in a church in Tampa to come do some meetings there, And I, I didn't. Did a Sunday night meeting, I believe it was a Wednesday night meeting. Listen, there were some folks in there probably in their 80s, they came to the pastor afterwards and they said, let me me tell you something about these meetings. They said, we remember these kind of meetings when we were seven, eight, nine years old in this church. They had revivals back in those days and the fire of God would hit the whole church and they said, we remember this anointing. We haven't seen it since then, but we remember this anointing when we were kids. I spoke to another friend of mine who who knows that church and he said, I remember going there. My dad was a pastor in Tampa. I remember going to that church and and the fire of God would be hitting that place and they'd start meetings at 7 and it would run until 11, 12, 1, 2 in the morning. I mean, people would be running the pews under the fire of God, just shaking the whole place. And now there's nothing. Why? Because man has got involved and controlled and manipulated and and eventually just just work the Holy Spirit out. You know, you can come in Holy Spirit and just make the people feel good, but you're not going to take over. Hello. So what gives us the power? What gives us the authority to tell the Spirit of the living God how he's going to move in a meeting? Hello. That's why I always humble myself before God and say, Lord, you, you're the one. You do whatever you want to do. You move how you want to move. You set the captive free. Touch, touch anybody and everybody that needs a, needs a touch of heaven. Amen. Amen. God knows what he's doing. I'm trying to challenge people here this evening. Get stirred up. Get stirred up in the things of God. Get stirred up. Thank God for what he did back in the 90s. But we're not in the 90s. Even though I go back to what God did and how he changed my life in January of 93 in Ketchikan, Alaska. Because that was the transformation. But I don't live in 93. I live in 2016. And from back then till now, there's so much that God has done over the years. And there's so much more that he wants to do. We cannot live in the past. We have to live in what God's doing today. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Don't pass me by. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm desperate, I'm determined. There's an anointing for wealth. We we just got to press in for it. Just like there's an anointing to heal. Just like there's an anointing to save. Just like there's an anointing to deliver. Just like there's an anointing for joy. We have to press in for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. I don't know where you are with Jesus tonight, but we're going to just give you an opportunity to make right with him. Maybe you've come into this place tonight. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. The Bible says now is the time of salvation. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. You might never have another opportunity. This might be the only opportunity that you ever get. Maybe you've come into this place tonight, maybe you have given your heart to Jesus in the past, but you're not serving him like you should be. You need to rededicate your life and make a fresh start. Tonight's your night. Tonight is your night to make a fresh start. Jesus loves you just the way you are. Maybe you've come into this place tonight, maybe you have given your heart to the Lord, but the devil keeps lying to you, telling you you're not saved. You need to make sure of your salvation. Don't let the devil torment you about this any longer. You're not here by chance. You're here for a divine appointment with God Almighty. You need to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Make sure of your salvation or rededicate your life. I want to pray with you and for you. While every head's bowed, every eye's closed, I just want you to slip your hand up quickly and then take it back down again. Anybody? Anybody here tonight? Anybody here tonight? God's tugging at your heart. Anybody in this place? Just slip your hand up quickly and then take it back down again. Don't worry about what other people think. It's got nothing to do with what other people think, what they might say. This is about you and Jesus. This is about eternity. We're talking about eternity. If you die tonight, where do you go? If you cannot say without a shadow of a doubt... I'd go to be with Jesus, then you, you're part of this prayer. I'm going to give you one more opportunity quickly, and then, and then we'll, we'll continue with the meeting. You need to give your heart to Jesus. Rededicate your life. Make sure of your salvation. You haven't raised your hand. Just slip it up quickly and hold it up there and let me see where you are quickly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I pray right now for everyone this year that, Lord, there would come such a stirring on the inside of our hearts for the lost. That, Lord, the lost would become our priority. That, Father, we would not even come to church without somebody that we're bringing in that needs a touch of heaven. Let it stir on the inside of us, Lord. Let us become so hungry and so desperate for the lost to be saved, to be delivered, to be set free. Let it burn on the inside of our hearts, Lord. Lord. We love the move of your spirit, but we love to see people being born again, delivered, set free, because, Father, it's about eternity. I thank you, Lord, even tonight in this place, as we pray for people, that there would come a deposit of the anointing of God Almighty on the inside of them. That would fire them up to begin to share and talk to others about Jesus. And release that anointing that's on the inside of them so that others will be set free and changed and touched by the power of Almighty God. We give you honor, we give you praise, we give you glory, Lord. Father, we tell you, we have an expectation. We have an expectation of your presence. We're hungry, we're thirsty. We want more, 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 more. We thank you for what you've done, but we're not satisfied. We've got to have more of you, Jesus. More of you, Jesus, and none of us, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome. Do whatever you want to in this place. We just want to tell you, we humble ourselves before your mighty hand. We lift you up, Jesus. We exalt you. We praise you. We worship you. For you alone are worthy to receive all praise, all honor, and all glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Everybody, just look at me for one moment. And and we're going to pray for people here in the next couple of minutes. Let me say this. Let this become part of you. You know, I, I knew a man back in South Africa. And there's people in America I met too. But every day, every single day, it would lead one person to the Lord. Now I know, I know this, ch- this church is all about souls and I love that and they've got teams that go out on the streets but, but if, you, if you determine every day I'm going to pray that God give me somebody to lead to Jesus he'll bring somebody he'll bring somebody amen it's not hard it's not complicated yes all you have to do is tell the world about the love of Jesus That's all you have to do. Just begin to tell somebody about how much Jesus loves them. The last thing you want to do is tell a sinner that they're a sinner and that they're going to hell because they already know that. Amen. But just start sharing the love of Jesus. And you will find, let me tell you what, to get get somebody into the kingdom is so easy because it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit that's drawing them and showing them Jesus. That's what it is. It's the Holy Spirit drawing them and showing them Jesus. Amen. The biggest thing I've ever had in my life is, you know, when I was a little boy, we grew up in church all our lives. So for, for me, a couple of big things I faced in, in my life was when I was a little boy is that, I didn't ever want to stand before Jesus. I'm talking about when I was like four, five, six years old. You know, we were in church so much. I mean, I had my own selection of chewing gum under the pew. That's how much we were in church. Hello. And really, none of that chewing gum ever originated with me. So, go figure. Now, (laughs) I think Pastor Bob knows what I'm talking about. Because I think I remember back in... 95, we did camp meeting here, and I'd mentioned something about that, and then I asked people to raise their hand who had, you know, who'd grown up in church and looked for government of the pew, and I think I remember very clearly a, a pastor in that building raised his hand <laughs> and said that he, and I, it encouraged me because I thought, my God, yes, a great man of God. You know, there's only it's only one way for me, and, and, and that's the same way. And, and I don't know if God looked at us and went, man, if he can chew gum under the pew and it doesn't originate with him, we can send him to America and he'll go anywhere. <laughs> Amen. So, <laughs> but uh, one of my biggest concerns was that I would stand before Jesus one day and I wouldn't have anybody with me. That was one of my biggest concerns. I, would, I cried. I said, God, please, I've got to get somebody saved. And then one day, I think I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old, my brother and I were on a camp. Uh, youth camp somewhere, and we both ended up praying with somebody. And they came to Jesus that night. And that night, I got into bed. And I went, At least, at least there's one person that'll be in heaven with me that I'm responsible for. Amen. Now, of course, now there's, there's many more that. Uh there's many more, I, I didn't know where she was going to, you know, but there's many more, but, but that was my biggest concern, let, let me tell you, this is kind of funny, I, my, mom, my mom didn't think so, but I thought it was kind of funny when I look back, but, but here's another thing, I used to, when I was a little kid, uh, four, five, six years old, I used to cry and beg God and plead with him that I was not the Antichrist. i said jesus i love you please i love you jesus please i don't want to be the antichrist please <laughs> you know kids grow up in church they hear stuff they hear about the antichrist and he's going to be raised up and you know it kind of freaks little kids out you know mark of the beast 666 running around all, you know all that stuff and you don't have a full understanding my mom said why don't you come tell, talk to me and i would have told you it's impossible son you can never be the antichrist but i spent some time time on my knees crying out to god please i don't want to be the antichrist amen You know what? I'm not the Antichrist. Amen. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Messages of Revival podcast. For more, subscribe to Messages of Revival podcast on Anchor, Google Podcast, and iTunes. And share this podcast with somebody that needs to be uplifted and blessed. God bless you.